Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Just think for a moment how many people in your life, people report to you, anyone, who you have to follow up with to make sure they do what they said they would do. Hey, just want to remind you about the blah, blah, blah. It's due Monday. Oh yeah, thanks for the reminder. That kind of conversation is happening inside an acceptance of no integrity. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. What is integrity? How does it relate to being a great manager? The answer begins with understanding procrastination and how the issue is bigger than just being a little late sometimes. In this second installment of the four-part podcast series, we look at how being a consistent procrastinator goes against the foundation of integrity. We also delve into what you need to know as a manager to ensure your employees keep their end of the deal by doing what they say they're going to do by when they said they do it. And you'll probably want to break out a copy of the clear and open code of conduct if you haven't seen it before or maybe just haven't looked in a while. This can be found at clearandopen.com slash code. That's clearandopen.com slash code. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. Members get a ton of different ways to become better professionals, including attendance to the live courses I teach. Beginning January 11, 2018, I'll begin teaching an 11-week course called How to Manage and Be Managed, The Missing Manual. You know, management is like parenting. Many people do it, and they mostly have no idea what they're doing, but somehow they make it work. The result, stress, wheel spinning, overwhelm, and millions of dollars in lost opportunity. This course is going to be the missing manual, what we all should have been taught in high school. So forget everything you learned about management. You don't have to motivate your employees. You don't need to empower them. And you definitely shouldn't be supervising them. I'll explain in the course. It trains you in the basics of the clear and open model for management. Increase engagement and productivity. Eliminate supervision and wasted resources. This is a counterintuitive approach. I've been developing with leaders in one-on-one sessions for over 15 years, offered now for the first time as an affordable course. While the course is about training management skill, it's also perfect for non-managers because it gives employees what they need to understand what a manager is doing with them and why it's in their best interest to help. For more information about the course, please go to clearandopen.com slash how dash to dash manage. That's clearandopen.com slash how dash to dash manage. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's dive in. So let's go back to the code. Let's let's look at the code and review what we've been talking about so far. So this is all at clearandopen.com slash code if you want to follow along. Um, integrity. So let's review integrity. There's two points on each one of these. I've made this intentionally as simple as I could. Integrity is do what you say you're going to do by when you said you do it. The, the literal meaning of integrity is a kind of wholeness, you know, like on Star Trek, when they talk about the whole integrity, like, is it still holding? Is it coherent? It's a structural kind of thing. So integrity in a, in a human being refers to a coherence of what's going on on the inside and what's going on on the outside. 
that there's a, a match there that they mirror. When, when you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, you see there's an incoherence there. It's a lack of wholeness. Now, you can have whatever opinion you want about that. I'm asserting that wholeness is better than not wholeness. Integrity is better than not integrity. If you think that occasionally saying something and doing something different is okay, that's fine. You can think that. But it's pretty easy to demonstrate that it makes a mess in a business. Because when you say... When, when you say or when one of your employees says they're going to do something and then they don't do it, it, require, it creates a circumstance where supervision is necessary. Just think for a moment how many people in your life, people report to you, anyone, who you have to follow up with to make sure they do what they said they would do. Think about how often you remind them, you ask them about stuff, you check in. All of this is com- considered completely normal in our society. Hey, just want to remind you about the blah, blah, blah. It's due Monday. Oh, yeah, thanks for the reminder. You see, that kind of conversation is happening inside an acceptance of no integrity or weak integrity, right? And even the idea, like when you give someone an assignment and then you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to follow up with them tomorrow to make sure they do that. You've already assumed an absence of integrity. Now, that may be completely practical based on your experience of them, may be necessary. Fine. Then you're supervising them. So, the the solution to that is what I call meta supervision. Meta supervision is when someone breaks their word and you say, Hey, you said you were going to do this and then you didn't do that. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot. Thanks for the reminder which is an expression that should make you wince from now on. Thanks for the reminder. There's so much in that. Thanks for the reminder. Thanks for following up and making sure that I do what I said I was going to do because I'm not capable of being a grown-up. And the next time you give me something to do, I'll thank you for the reminder you give me on that too. In fact, could you just walk around and make sure I do all the things I already know to do? That would be great because then I don't have to get organized or hold anything in my head or actually be mature and responsible. That would be great. I love your reminders. That's what I want you to hear when people say thanks for the reminder. So meta supervision is when you name with the person that you're supervising them so that it can end. So they say, yeah, thanks for the reminder. Yeah, about that. What would it be like if I never had to remind you of anything? Would you like that? What would it be like if you were a person who, when they said they were going to do something, could be completely trusted to do it, needing no reminders, no follow-up, no check-in? Is that interesting to you? Because I don't know about you, I don't like reminding you. And I think probably on some level, you don't like me having to look over your shoulder to make sure you do what you say. So can we make an agreement that you start working on not needing reminded? And then let's see what happens. Let's see what balls get dropped. And then we'll look and see how they get dropped and work to change that. That's meta supervision, the first conversation. Then you gradually turn the heat up, depending on how well they do. The amount of resources. So here's what happens. So when people at the bottom rung of an org chart need, need supervision, it pulls the next rung above them, the managers, down. Right? 
So the people at the bottom are usually technicians. They're producing the results of a business, whatever that is, right? Pressing, marking in, whatever they're doing, wherever, whatever business. They're doing, they're producing the results of the business. The next rung up, they're the ones that are supposed to be manager level. They're the ones that are supposed to be looking at the results, evaluating them, looking at metrics, creating systems to improve those results, projects to you know, make things go smoother. That's management, organizing, strategizing, planning, that kind of stuff. If the people at the bottom rung need supervision, then that pulls the next, the, the layer above them down into that realm, right? Like when you're doing something for them, for example, you become that role when you're having to remind them to do something. When you're reminding someone to do something that they already know how to do, you're not managing. That's not strategy. That's not planning. You see, you're, you're down a level. Now, this is so normal, you probably think that that's doing your job. And well, in one way, it is doing your job if you have the meta that one day you shouldn't be doing it anymore. You see, you supervise, you supervise your way to not having to supervise. That's meta supervision. So then what happens is the layer above you, let's call that a VP level. I mean, it depends on the business and how big it is. Let's call it a director slash VP level. Those are the people. Their job is not day-to-day, um, you know, crisis management, you know, angry customers. That's a manager job uh, in your kinds of businesses too. But those people are doing bigger planning, acquisitions, uh, marketing strategy, budgeting, bigger, longer-term stuff, hiring strategy, stuff like that. Okay, that's what they're supposed to be doing. But if you're pulled down into the very bottom level, then that third level, the VP slash director level, they're pulled down into your level, you see? Now they're the ones making the systems and doing the shorter term planning, right? And then that goes all the way up to the CEO who is responsible for, you know, it depends on the org chart, but, you know, the highest level strategy, brand strategy, also acquisitions, high level finance, you know, borrowing money, loans, expansion, the long-term future of the business, visioning, the company culture, values, this kind of stuff, high-level metrics. And then, of course, if they're having to supervise the people below them, then they don't get to that stuff. So you, what I usually do, I, I'm, I usually work with people at the top of their org charts, or I have historically, that's starting to change when I'm working with the whole org chart. So often what I do is I'll work with the person at the top of the org chart and say, hey, here's all this stuff that needs to be done and you're not doing it. And what do they say? I don't have time. Of course you don't. You're doing the jobs of the people below you and they're doing the jobs of the people below them and they're doing the jobs of the people below them. Where does it end? It starts with the code. Have the value in your business be somebody says they're going to do something, that's it. They do it. And when they don't do it, you hold up the mirror and say, I need you to do what you say you're going to do by when you say you're going to do it. End of story. You got 60 days to figure that out. I'm here to help. But in this business, we do what we say we're going to do. 
just that simple thing, not necessarily easy, but just that simple thing that changes can change an entire business because it removes the supervision element. Start to notice when you go through your day, how much of the time you're thinking about what other people have committed to do. If you're thinking about what other people have committed to do in any kind of significant way, where you're thinking about it, worrying about it, needing follow-up, there's either two things going on. You're obsessive-compulsive, and you really don't need to be thinking about it. Or, more likely, you can't trust that they got it because they've given you evidence time and time again that they don't. So now you're pulled down, doing their job, your head is in their game, causing chronic overwhelm, using up your time and energy, and you wonder why you're so exhausted. And you think, well, this is just what it's like. This is what it's like being a manager. You got to follow up. You got to remind, right? You got to look over people's shoulder. Sure, that's normal. But as the great uh, Krishnamurti said, it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. So congratulations, you're a great supervisor. Now knock it off and become a manager and refuse to supervise. Now I can hear what you might be thinking. Well, if I don't supervise, they'll drop balls and, and I have to look over people's shoulder. Uh-huh. Do I really need to address that? You don't turn your back on it. Not entirely. You watch carefully as you take one step away at a time. Away. And more importantly, before you can do this, you have to be someone who doesn't need supervision. And some of you I know still need supervision because some of you I'm still supervising. Some of you, I can't rely on to respond to an email that I send. Some of you, I can't respond to, I can't rely on you answering direct questions if I send you an email with a direct question in it. I've got to follow up. So until you're someone who doesn't need supervision, you haven't earned the right to have people. And separate from that, if you still need supervision, you won't see where other people need supervision. It just screens it from your view. Because if a part of you wants to be supervised and is enjoying that, then you'll automatically project that that's normal with your employees. And you'll supervise them and remind them and support them in ways that are not helpful because you actually want that from your boss too. How many of you have been reminded of something in the last week by your boss? Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. So you still need supervision. So when your boss reminds you of something or you forget about something or whatever and you get supervised that way, the thing to do, what your bosses should be doing, in my opinion, is going, okay, meta supervision. So how did that happen? How is it that I had to remind you of that? Let's solve that. Where did you write that down? Uh, Nowhere. Oh, okay, there it is. What are you using for task management? And they help you troubleshoot how and why that happened. Okay. If your manager doesn't do that because they're not talking to me on a regular basis, that's fine. Do it yourself. Be pissed off when someone has to remind you. You see, when someone reminds me of something, I get upset. Crap, they had to remind me. What happened? It doesn't never happen. Probably happens two or three times a quarter for me. Because all the times before, I looked and saw, okay, how did I make it so that I needed to be reminded of something? You go looking. Oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, I was chronically overwhelmed. Oh, I 
whatever, and then you fix it. And that's how you become a responsible person. It's not rocket science. That's integrity. That's ownership. So you do what you say you're going to do. And if something gets in the way, because stuff happens, I saw a bumper sticker once that said that. Something gets in the way, that's fine. Then you proactively communicate to all parties involved. How often does it happen? Like you say, hey, where's that thing that was due today? Oh, yeah, this thing that happened a few days ago. Yeah, it delayed me. Uh huh. And you're telling me now? It's just disrespectful, it's non relational. You know, when you make an agreement with someone, you're in a relationship with them. And then if you change that agreement and you don't tell them, this is why uh, in, in, in couples, this happens all the time when, when one person in the couple, usually the man, because men are sort of naturally less relational than women in general, but not always. Men are famous for making decisions without consulting the woman that they're with. And well, how could you make that decision without me? Right? Men hear this all the time because women in general have a, a, a stronger natural sense of sort of relationality. Hey, we're in this together. How could you commit to that dinner that we were supposed to go now without talking to me first? Oh, I didn't, wasn't thinking of you. That's a kind of lack of integrity because if you're in a couple, there's a wholeness there. And it's tricky because you can't make every decision with the other person. But some decisions, you know, like, traveling across the country and going to some destination wedding, like, yeah, you should have talked to your other, your other whole about that. This kind of thing happens all the time. I give this as an example just to show how tricky it is and, and how widespread it is. So then what do you do? Well, you go back in time and go, okay, so when I made that decision, what was going on? How did I do that? How did I exclude this person? What was I thinking? What was I not thinking? So in summary about integrity, it's not useful at all to think of yourself as a person of integrity. Really not useful. Do not think of yourself as someone who has integrity. Think of yourself as someone who's practicing integrity. Integrity, uh, it doesn't work well as a noun. Because when you challenge someone's integrity... They'll say, I'm a responsible person. I have a person of integrity. Well, not in this moment. You know, it's like sales. You're only as good as your last moment. Now, you may have a track record of a lot of integrity, but it only takes a moment to completely fall apart. In other words, this is not about who you are. This is about your behavior. It's not about that you're a bad person or have bad intentions. That's my favorite one. Well, it wasn't my intention to drop the ball. Well, that's good. So I'm happy to hear you're not sadistic and pure evil Does that let you off the hook now but uh, it wasn't my intention to, to do to screw this up it wasn't my intention to hurt you well that's good means you're not a sociopath you think you're off the hook now of course it wasn't your intention i don't get why people say that oh i'm sorry it wasn't my intention uh-huh duh of course it wasn't i'm not accusing you of being evil i'm accusing you of being unconscious now look and let's see what happened. Well, I don't know what happened. It wasn't my intention. Yeah, I know, but you did it anyway. That one, man, if I could change the world with just to remove that excuse. And people didn't have the, the excuse of their intentions. We even have the expression, this is not new. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's an old one. Related to integrity, the other piece that bears calling out is about being on time. Timeliness is a form of an agreement. 
being on time is an agreement. So when someone is not on time, they've broken an agreement. And moreover, about time, the reason I break it out is because when people are chronically late, the issue is not the content of the lateness in that moment. The issue is how are they operating in and structuring their entire day such that they're late? If it's a pattern. And for some people, you know, they're late here and there and it's, it's uh, not a pattern. But when someone's consistently late, it means that there's some global thing that's just not working. And when you're late, it causes other people to be late. Often it can, I mean, even just a couple of minutes can really screw a lot of things up. So that's a part of integrity. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.